0: From Recorded Future News, I'm Dina Temple-Raston, and this is Click Here, a podcast about the people making and breaking our digital world. This week, generative AI on trial. The New York Times suing Microsoft and chat
1: GPT maker OpenAI over copyright infringement.
2: It's the the first major American media organization to take action against the artificial intelligence platforms.
0: The cases have become a test of whether tech giants like OpenAI and Microsoft should be allowed to train its AI models on other people's content, and then essentially
2: repackage that content and sell it themselves. Every five or ten years when there's a big technology shift, there's typically a lawsuit that goes with it.
0: And while the New York Times lawsuit is the one that's getting most of the headlines, There are a roster of other suits that don't just relate to generative AI training on text, but on art and music compositions as well. The lawsuits are seeking to answer a fundamental question about generative AI. What do human creators own? And if tech companies are using their content to train AI models, shouldn't the humans be paid for it? And our story begins not in New York, but in Nashville, Tennessee, with an artist and illustrator named
3: Kelly McKernan. I work in watercolor and acrylic wash, and it's inspired by um, Art Nouveau, which was a movement from about 100 years ago. Kelly, who
0: uses the pronoun they, specializes in a kind of magical realism. Their paintings remind me of old Grateful Dead albums, like American Beauty or Anthem of the Sun. But instead of skulls and skeletons and flowers,
3: Kelly uses the female form woven into intricate patterns and beautiful colors. Most of my work is um, kind of an extension of myself. They're self-portraits, even if they're not my face. And like most artists these days,
0: Kelly has put their images online. Not just to share it, but maybe to drum up some new business, too. But then this crazy thing happened. A couple of years ago, Kelly was
3: suddenly tagged in these posts on Twitter and Instagram. So they just clicked on one of the links. And it took them to a page that had
0: all these images that were purporting to be Kelly McKernan's, but Kelly had never painted them.
3: It didn't look like my work, but it was using my name. So um, I began to look into what that was all about. Why is my name a part of these images that I didn't make? It didn't take long for Kelly to figure out what happened. And I discovered that more than 50 of my paintings had been scraped to use as training data for AI image generators. like An AI image generator, kind of
0: like a chat GPT for art. In Kelly's case, a company in Sweden called Lion 5B had scraped the internet and helped themselves to all kinds of material, including Kelly's artwork. Did that database ask you if you wanted to be part of it? No. Mm -mm. But it went beyond just scraping illustrations without permission. People using Lion 5B could create AI-generated
3: images using Kelly McKernan's name. So let's say somebody wants to create a portrait of... Uh, Madonna in the style of Kelly McKernan. So that is a prompt. And then these programs will generate images, several images um, created with my style based on these 50 or so paintings that were scraped. I felt violated. Um, They're bastardizations of everything I've ever made because there is no intent There's no meaning. It's just generated slop. It looks pretty and it looks good enough. And that's a big part of the problem is if somebody can just generate something that looks pretty and good enough, they're not going to hire me.
0: Each time a stranger created a new work of art using Kelly's name as a prompt, that was one less illustration needed from the real Kelly McKernan. And Kelly wasn't going to take this
3: line down. You know, I started making a fuss about it on Twitter, talking to other artists. Like, and this oh, wasn't just about losing business. These soulless A.I. Kellys were affecting the real-life Kelly. A few months, it made them not want to eat anymore because I feel so grossed out by this.
0: And then in December 2022, after months of watching a generative AI program offering up what looked like cheap versions of their work, Kelly wrote a post trying to get people to understand what all this was doing to them.
3: It basically was me being like, "Hey, I'm I'm a small artist. I'm a I'm a single mom, but this is really not okay with me. This is you know, affecting my work, affecting my career. The post went viral, and it caught
0: the attention of another artist, a woman named Carla Ortiz. And that
3: changed everything for Kelly. She's well-known for her advocacy work, and she mentioned that she was a part of gathering artists for a potential class action lawsuit. She asked if I was interested, and I was like, absolutely. Stay with us.
4: In Norway, a woman's boyfriend forgets who she is overnight. In Detroit, a man is arrested, but he was never at the crime scene. In Spain, disturbing pictures of young girls have appeared, and no one knows who's behind them. Something strange is happening. A collision between people and artificial intelligence. Discover more in The Guardian's new series, Black Box. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes Monday and Thursdays.
1: If you're looking for a daily guide to cybersecurity news and policy, sign up for the Cyber Daily from Recorded Future News. It serves up the day's most interesting and important cyber stories from our sister publication, The Record, and then aggregates all of the big cyber stories you might have missed from news outlets around the world. Just go to therecord.media and click on Cyber Daily to get all you need to know about the world of cybersecurity right in your inbox.
0: This is Click Here. Most of the discussion about generative AI these days is centered not on art, but on programs like ChatGPT or Microsoft's Copilot, which vacuum up text files from the Internet to train their AI. And they've gotten away with doing that because writers have had a hard time showing they've been financially affected directly by AI programs training on their work. But that's precisely what sets Kelly's case apart. Kelly says the artists in their class action suit can document how much this is hurting their bottom line.
3: I typically pull in about 32 a year. They mean 32,000. This year, I believe I'm at 22. I'm not making a living anymore off of my work.
0: Maybe claiming to have lost a third of your income to AI might feel a little crazy. But a few months ago, if you just typed Kelly McKernan artwork into a Google search engine.
3: And then the top result isn't even my art. It's art made from my art. What
0: Kelly saw at the top of that search is an image made from an AI program called Midjourney.
3: With artificial intelligence using Midjourney, you're able to create what you
1: have in your mind and transfer it into a tangible work of art.
0: In other words, it can create images from natural language descriptions. You just prompt it with a name or a description, and well, it'll give you an illustration. And in Kelly's case, an image that echoes their work. MidJourney isn't the only program that does this. OpenAI has something called DALI that does the same thing. And Kelly has seen these AI Kelly-like works on Stability AI's stable diffusion platform too. And all these
3: AI Kellys are part of the reason, Kelly says, that they had to get a second job. I'm teaching right now. I'm an illustration professor, uh, adjunct right now, so I can <laughs> help make ends meet because I've been losing work to the AI. And my students, are they're pretty concerned. I'm concerned for them. Their um, entry-level gigs are all disappearing because it's being taken up by, you know, these programs. Kelly ended up joining that artist who saw her viral
0: post in a class-action lawsuit against a handful of these companies including MidJourney and Stability AI. It's essentially a copyright suit. They're hoping to either make the tech companies stop training their AI models on their art, or at least pay them when they do.
3: Our assumption is that we are being infringed, and that's the whole lawsuit. (laughs) But um, I can confidently say I feel very infringed. (laughs)
0: A San Francisco federal judge assigned to the case last year voiced some doubt about whether a style can be protected by copyright. But Kelly says the fact that people use their name as a prompt suggests that there is something uniquely Kelly McKernan about what people are creating with AI. And Kelly should have control over that.
3: My name has just been taken out of, you know, my own control. It's such a bizarre thing to search my name and see AI-generated art representing me that I didn't create. Which brings us to the case that made all those headlines,
0: the New York Times decision to sue OpenAI and Microsoft. And their claim is a little more, well, black and white. That's because OpenAI has admitted to training its AI model not just on a few New York Times articles, but on its entire archive. Millions and millions of pieces dating back to 1851. The Times contends that Microsoft and OpenAI seek to free ride on the Times' massive investment in its journalism. The New York Times isn't seeking any specific damages, but it does want OpenAI and Microsoft to destroy any chatbot models that incorporate their material. Shaliyan Zanidi is a lawyer who specializes in tech-related law. And she says the Times case has an advantage over cases like Kelly's.
2: You know, some of the art cases, it's not as clear that the output is, is so obviously a possible substitute for the original.
0: But in its complaint, the New York Times says it has proof that that's exactly what's happening.
2: They have this amazing exhibit, Exhibit J. There's 100 instances of requesting something from... ChatGPT, and ChatGPT spits out effectively verbatim New York Times articles on some really interesting topics.
0: Julia has been working in tech for a while. She was one of the founding members of Amazon's Alexa team, and now she's the CEO of an AI startup for lawyers called General Counsel AI. She says that Exhibit J is the smoking gun content creators have been hoping for. And the Times case goes beyond just appropriation of reporters' work. They claim AI is causing reputational damage as well by attributing things
2: to the paper that the AI model is just making up. If you ask uh, ChatGPT, you know, what the New York Times says about orange juice causing lymphoma, it will actually give you a a response and say... A wrong response,
0: known in AI circles as a
2: hallucination. ChatGPT confidently responds. New York Times published an article on Jan 10, 2020 titled, Study Finds Link Between Orange Juice and Lymphoma. Of course, this is, this is all completely false. It's, it's, it's generated from whole cloth.
0: AI's hallucinations aren't just an unfortunate glitch, the Times argues. It's harming the gray lady's brand. Microsoft and OpenAI didn't respond to our request for comment. The case is expected to go to trial in 2026 and Chalia says it isn't clear how it'll turn out.
2: It's not a slam dunk on either side. I would say, you know, possible outcomes include saying, okay, it's fair use if you have certain protections against the sort of the verbatim spitbacks or they
0: might work out a licensing agreement or Congress could step in. In fact, Congress already has
3: uh, this is our second hearing in as many months on the intersection of artificial intelligence and intellectual property law and policy. Uh,
0: but Chalia and- says all this focus on copyright isn't going to spell the end of AI.
2: This technology is too useful and the genie is too much out of the bottle for it to be you know, enjoined or in any way stopped. AI's got something to say.
0: When we come back, the tech company's fair use argument. And how ordinary people are finding extraordinary ways to strike back.
2: These digital minds, they are making the headlines, creating new sounds and rhymes in a world where tech combines.
0: Stay with us.
4: What if someone you love asks you to help them die? What would you say? This is the powerful question at the heart of The Ultimate Choice. The series follows the journey of Michael and his wife Anne as they grapple with his request to choose the way he wants to die. I'm Rob Cribb, and through their story, I learned a lot about my own family. I hope the show is a way to start conversations many of us want to have, but rarely do. The Ultimate Choice is out now.
1: GPT, AI machine,
0: satellite,
1: engine ignition, click here, and off.
0: Looking back on it now, it's almost inevitable that these generative AI models would raise copyright concerns. And though AI is the new, new thing, copyright law is, quite literally, as old as America itself.
2: Copyright literally comes from the Constitution. To promote the progress of science and the useful arts... Congress may secure limited time monopolies for authors and creators.
0: That doesn't mean you can't use published works. You can, if you abide by a doctrine known as fair use. And to avoid running afoul of copyright, at a minimum, you need two things. First, you have to transform the copyrighted work in some fundamental way. And second, and this part is key, whatever you're creating can't be used as a substitute The original work. So, if, for example, a critic quotes passages from a book in her review, it's probably considered fair use because it creates a new work. But if a generative AI model like ChatGPT is training on a bunch of articles and then just spits out something verbatim, well, that could be a copyright problem. When generative AI first sort of came on the scene, did you think that there was going to be a problem with copyright?
2: I would say yes, um, only because a vast amount of data that, in this case, GPT is trained on, I think it's equivalent to 65 Libraries of Congress. 65
0: Libraries of Congress. Think about how much that is. And how could you ask permission for all of that? That may be why AI companies decided to ask for forgiveness instead. The sheer volume of data they needed to train their AI would make getting permission pretty hard. So instead, they're helping themselves to troves of information under the belief that they are, in the words of the Constitution, using it to promote the progress of science and useful arts. The tech companies openly admit that they're training models on the New York
2: Times articles, but their argument is. But we're not using it to read it. We're not using it as a substitute for a subscription. Instead, we're using it to create this entirely new technology. The magic word is transformative.
0: Where you draw the transformative line is tricky, even for people who saw the copyright infringement problems coming, like this guy, Ed Newton-Rex.
4: I've been in generative AI for 13 years. Before generative AI was cool, I guess.
0: Until recently, Ed led the audio team at an open source generative AI company called Stability AI. Yes, the same company that was scraping Kelly McKernan's illustrations from the internet. But Ed wasn't there as your average tech bro.
4: Um, I'm, I would say, a better musician than I am a computer guy. I've done a bit of coding.
0: Back in 2012, Ed founded an AI music generation startup called JukeDeck. And even then, he was wrestling with these copyright issues as they relate to music, and more broadly, the iterative quality of creativity.
4: I want to start with a quick quiz. Who can tell me which song these chords are from?
0: He talked about doing this during a TED Talk in London.
4: Any answers? Journey, Don't Stop Believing. Exactly. That is one correct answer. But there are actually a few other answers you could have given. Um, this is one. Forever I wanna be forever
0: what he's pointing out here is that human creativity doesn't just appear out of thin air. It's iterative in a way that's not dissimilar from AI. The same chords can be used to make many songs. The main difference, of course, is that We might listen to tens of thousands of songs or read several thousand books in a lifetime, while AI is gobbling up 65 libraries of Congress. That's over 3 billion books in just one fell swoop. AI's iterative capacity is infinite, and ours, not so much. The AI copyright issues we're wrestling with today had told me, Remind him a little of what happened with Napster.
2: Napster introduces Napster to go. Fill your MP3 player with an unlimited number of songs to try it for free.
0: Napster, you remember, was the website from the early 2000s that allowed people to download loads of music for free. It had millions of users until bands like Metallica and artists like Dr. Dre sued it for copyright infringement. Napster went bankrupt in 2002. In that case, though, they weren't iterating on people's music. They were just stealing it. But the reason Napster has a role in this AI copyright problem is because of what rose from its ashes, something that allowed content creators to get wide distribution and get paid. And that, of course, was iTunes. This is from an early iTunes ad. Ed Newton- Rex thinks generative AI is headed in the same direction to this licensing
2: model. look
3: so fine I make
4: I think we will uh, graduate out of this kind of Napster era, um, you know, the Wild West era where people are sort of doing what they want in regards to training data. And I think we will gradually move to more of the iTunes model, uh, where licensing, Prevails?
0: Because I think that also- Ed already knows what a world where licensing prevails would look like. Because when he was building his music-making AI back in 2012, he did something that now seems quaint. He actually asked artists for permission.
4: We licensed all of the training data, all, all of the content, all of the music you know, that went into that. And so, so that was exciting because that was the first really, really large music model that had licensed training data in that way.
0: Of course, getting permission to do all that took time and money. But Ed, you might recall, is a musician. So it was important to him that credit be given to the content creators that were helping him build Juke Deck.
4: It's something that I'm, I've always been incredibly passionate about. is Really, as a composer, you know, I, I think it's really, really important for AI systems, AI models, and AI companies to work in a way that really respects creators' rights. And I think the way you do that is by partnering with them Uh, To get their training data, and not simply taking it.
0: Remember, after Ed sold Juke Deck, he went to work for a generative company called Stability AI, where he was in charge of its audio team. And last fall, he left the company precisely because he didn't agree with the practice of just taking data without paying for it.
4: Yeah, that's why I stepped down from Stability. Not not so much in protest at Stability itself and their, their practices, but. Um, but more them as part of the, the wider industry, you know. I think lo- lots of uh, generative AI companies, big big generative AI companies, take the same approach. that Stability too, we, we do, which is generally an approach that says, well, you know, it, it's fair use of copyrighted material to, um, you know, to, to use it without consent, and and I and I don't agree with that. So that, that's why I stepped down.
0: We reached out to Stability AI for comment on both Ed's departure and the artist's class action and got no response. Earlier this month, Ed decided instead to start a nonprofit that would help consumers see right away whether the AI they're using is paying creators their fair share.
4: So we're essentially going certifying AI models um, who take a more ethical approach to how they train and how they reward uh, and how they get consent for and from their, their creators.
0: It's called Fairly Trained, and it's sort of like a fair trade certification, except instead of coffee, it's AI models.
4: And I'm hoping that by doing that, you know, we give this label to companies and people and companies out there who do care about where training data has come from, you know, can can go and look at this list and say, well, yeah, I'd, I'd rather use one of these, one of these models.
0: You can identify A.I. that aligns with your values and then support it. But that may be a long way off. So in the meantime, creators like Kelly McKernan, the artist we met at the beginning of the episode, are finding ways to fight fire with fire right now. They're starting to incorporate something called data poisoning into their work. They're tweaking the pixels in an image in a way that humans can't see, but confuses a generative AI model. There's one program that does this called Glaze, and another called Nightshade.
3: I actually have a piece in their lab right now that I just finished um, that they are adding nightshade to. I'm very excited to be one of the first artists to get to use it.
0: They essentially trick the AI into seeing something that isn't really there, a kind of electronic mirage. kind of watermark on steroids. In other words, using tech to fight tech, until the humans figure out how to get this right. This is Click Here. Here are some of the top cyber and intelligence stories of the past week. The European Council leveled sanctions against the agency responsible for Internet censorship in Russia. In a statement on Monday, the Council said Russia's Safe Internet League, quote, aids the Russian government in enforcing censorship practices and its staff is responsible for serious and systematic abuses of freedom of opinion and expression. The sanctions list also includes three individuals employed in the Russian judicial system who the council said are responsible for serious human rights violations, including arbitrary arrests and detentions of opposition politicians. The EU said in its statement that the sanctions were imposed because of the, quote, continuing deterioration of the human rights situation in Russia. The Ukrainian state agency overseeing the treatment of prisoners of war said on Monday that it had restored access to its website, after being hit by a distributed denial-of-service attack over the weekend. The country's coordination headquarters for the treatment of prisoners of war work with families of military personnel who have either been captured or are missing. It negotiates prisoner releases and then the return of bodies of fallen soldiers. The hackers behind the incident haven't been identified, but the attack comes just days after the crash of a Russian transport plane that Russia claims was filled with Ukrainian POWs. And finally, a man who admitted to coordinating ransomware and malware attacks was sentenced to two years in prison by a Canadian court this week. Matthew Filbert, who's 33, pleaded guilty this past October to charges related to fraud and unauthorized access to computers. His crimes took place back in 2021, and his targets included three Canadian police departments, the Ronald McDonald House Charity in Halifax, Nova Scotia, among others. Filbert typically sent phishing emails with documents that look like resumes, but actually were loaded with malware that took control of a victim's computer. Canadian and U.S. authorities have not identified any of his co-conspirators.
2: Click Here is a production of Recorded Future News. Dina temple Rastin is the host and managing editor of the show. Sean Powers and me... Jade Abdul-Malik, produce it. Karen Duffin and Lou Olkowski are our editors, and Lucas Riley is our staff writer. Darren Ankrum does our fact checking. Ben Livingston composed the theme music and other original music you heard. We also use music from Blue Dot Sessions. Megan Goff is our staff illustrator. That's it for this week. We'll be back on Tuesday.
1: Looking for more of the cybersecurity and intelligence coverage you get on Click Here? Then check out our sister publication, The Record, from Recorded Future News. You'll get breaking cyber news from reporters in New York, Washington, London, and Kiev, among others. And you'll see for yourself why it attracts hundreds of thousands of page views every month. Just go to therecord.media.